Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now, to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. But the catch is, I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I realize that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why it was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. And so for today's episode, we have the one and only Cody Frederick from the Dan and Cody podcast, aka the Cody and Friend podcast. Cody, how's it going up there in Canyon Country? Oh, well, uh, you know, you should ask Dan, that's part of my podcast, uh, that, because I, I live in the beautiful San, Ver- San Fernando Valley in the beautiful city of Van Nuys, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's beautiful. I can't tell you how much I love the sun. <laughs> it's nice talking to another Californian, too, because you just get it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty sunny outside. It's nice. It's real nice. <laughs> it's yeah, it's so great, and that's it's pretty like much any time of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I shouldn't complain because uh, people come to California to vacation, uh, but living here is a very different ball game. I just um, it can get a little expensive from time to time, but it's hard to complain when you can go to any you know when you have. Like world destinations, like down the street, basically. No, wherever I, you live, I, really. You're absolutely right. I mean, you can go visit uh, old um, old sites of famous films, or you can uh, you can go watch boats take off from a pier, or you can enjoy the the luxury of uh, Los Angeles International Airport. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Malibu, money <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. Most people say like Disneyland or like San Diego or San Francisco. No, the luxury of of the Los Angeles International Airport, <laughs> aka LAX. <laughs> well, you know. Last time, yeah. uh, last time I took a flight, we left out of Burbank. Um, yeah, this is this so, is getting California specific right here. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's the it's the better airport if you're a local. It's the better airport if you're a local, especially if you're in the valley because driving to LAX is miserable most times of year. But I imagine during these times you can easily get a flight out and not have to worry about traffic. So that's always good. <laughs> Just wander wander aimlessly in like a shambling zombie that you are. Exactly. Um, exactly. Tell everyone a little bit about the Dan and Cody podcast and um, why you didn't get first billing in the name. Sure. I... I I would love to. Uh, the Dan and Cody podcast is a uh, it's a buddy podcast. It's a we it's it's two thirty something year olds basically talking about uh, everything under the sun from pop culture to sports to 
um, their lives, kind of relating everything to what's happening in the world in their lives. And that's really what the Dan and Cody podcast is. We've been around, we've been doing this since 2015. So, you know, we're 200 plus episodes deep. We do one a week. And, uh, uh, you know, Dan and I have interesting uh, backgrounds and interesting conversations sometimes. So uh, we, we, we definitely do our best to provide some kind of interesting, insightful piece of information to our listener every week. I mean, and you guys have missed in five years, I think maybe like three total episodes, right? I wish, th- I, I mean, I, I wish that was the case, but we have, we've missed, I would say we've got 212 episodes and over five years, five times five is like 200 and there's 56 weeks in a year, 50, 52 weeks in a year. We've probably missed 52. a more than that. You got this. You don't take breaks. You guys almost never take breaks. I know. And even if you don't have each other to talk to you you'll get incredible guests i yeah. still tell people about the episode when you guys interviewed that guy that was a writer for wwe um i can't remember his name at this time but and he wrote the hebrew hammer too right, right. Didn't, he, didn't he write and direct that movie but like that's like you have great guests on the show i've been a guest yeah you have you have been a guest do you remember what episode it was oh man it was like episode we're talking probably in the in the 50s like in the yeah. f- that I think, I, I think it was like 53. There. I think it was like 53. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, but man, man, it's been a while. It's been a long time. We got to get you back on the cast, man. Yeah, we had some Costco pizza and uh, some Dr. Pepper, which are both sponsors mm-hmm. of the show. Costco and, and Dr. Pepper are both sponsor. I like to like things. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. But I've been a big fan. I've been a huge fan of you guys. I love you guys. I've even called into your quote unquote hotline before, uh, which is always, always fun, but you guys can't miss out. Dan and Cody, you can tell that they're just the best guys just by listening to them. Dan, I've always wanted to get on the show. I really want to get Dan on here to talk about the Fast and Furious franchise uh, because I know that he's, he's always, he was the first one to talk about that they're basically Avengers and Cars. He was one of the very first people to ever tell me that, and it's never yeah. been on my watch list. But yeah. if I want, if I knew that Dan, who's an incredibly enthusiastic guy, told me to watch Fast and the Furious, I might actually break down and do it. So, well, but, he has he's been pushing me. So just FYI, I, we talk. People talk about Dan enough. It's it's Cody time. It's Cody yeah. time right now. And so, uh, Cody. Yeah. This is this is a slightly different thing than we normally do, fans, because like I am, I brought I brought Cody on for something very specific, but he he's been a true sport. But uh, Cody, what is your thing? Prop culture. Your thing is prop culture. So here's the thing, guys. I. I, we watched the first episode of this, me and Elise and the girls, and we absolutely loved it. We watched the Mary Poppins episode, and I knew that Cody had worked on this uh, as as a, he's he's worked on these on a couple episodes, and I know that you and Dan had the the host of the uh, prop culture on your show. Yeah, and so we stopped the. We were gonna go on. We we're gonna watch more episodes, but I'm like, you know, I gotta get Cody in here first. 
and then we'll yeah. watch the rest of it after we get the inside scoop. But Cody, kind of tell everyone a little bit about this this show on Disney Plus, which is an incredible sure. show. So May first, uh, the Disney Plus released all eight episodes of the latest series, uh, latest series Prop Culture, which is in a way kind of revisiting films through the physical assets that made the movies. They're kind of the only living remnants of what the movies are uh, that made these films because, you know, they destroy sets, they destroy props a lot of the time. And the only thing that really remains most of the time when you have a movie is the film. But how can you physically touch a film? Uh, how can you be really be connected to something that somebody, you know, put their hands in? their sweat, their, their energy, their time. And to make any of these movies is a, is it's a real commitment and being involved in any of these movies is a real, uh, you know, it's a real passion for most of these people. So that's what prop culture does is we go in and talk, tell these stories. And, and that's actually how you and Dan met, right? Cause Dan works for prop store, which is a very, famous prop uh like selling uh, for movie prop like auctioneer house slash collector like he works for them and he scours the world looking for for these props from these movies and that's how you guys met because you guys had met um because i know you don't work for prop store but like that was something that you guys met doing right yeah there was uh there was a big auction that had taken place like in 2014 2015 where rick baker uh, was was selling a bunch of things and and the individual I was working for at the time partnered with the prop store to help kind of uh, bring this auction to the forefront of all of these items from Rick Baker's films and for those of you that don't know who Rick Baker is Rick Baker did all of the effects the the physical makeups uh, and things like that for movies like Men in Black American Werewolf and Werewolf in Paris um, he did, Those are uh, he, he did yeah. Maleficent. I think that was one of the most recent things that he's done, but he's known as kind of the makeup master of, of, of Hollywood. And a lot of people would go, a lot of people have gone to him to, to bring, uh, things to, to the screen, to, to, to bring characters that are a little different to life on the screen. And so we partnered and we, Dan and I became really close and that's when we ended up doing the podcast. We decided we want to do the podcast together. And so when you, so, so what did you do on, on the shows? Uh, so I know you did, you said you did mainly three episodes, right? Yeah. So, so I produced, I, so I was a principally a producer on the show and, uh, how it kind of played out is we kicked everything off. We started researching all of these movies literally after the new year in 2019 and uh it was me and dan the host lanigan and our other showrunner and then our production team of people that were kind of helping us set the production going and so we got in and started researching these shows started having conversations with people that were involved in these films narrowing down the movies we were going to talk about and then at that point once we've decided on what the films were we'd highlight the props that we wanted to try and get a hold of and we teamed up with uh, a lot of private owners. We teamed up with uh, people that, uh, for example, like Disney Archives. And uh, also we, we discovered things by having conversations with all of these other people that they don't really normally get recognition, like prop masters and, and, and model makers and, and all these people that were involved in making these movies. So my job was to be the kind of in-between to set those episodes up. 
So, so when you guys started to the show, so you see, you started in 2019. So good, you answer one of my questions. When you started, like, was it originally planning for you to, for it to be shown on, uh, eventually be on Disney Plus, or was it, or were you gonna like, how did that like start? Like, did you were you approached, or were, or or did you want to, did you guys sell it basically to Disney? Yeah. So how how the process tends to work from from my experience in that I, I wasn't in the room when the when the show is, sh is sold, but there's conversations between those people that make shows. For example, um, Dan has a, Dan Lanigan, the host, has a, he's made several shows, uh, West Texas Investors Club, which was for MSNBC several years ago. Um, he was an executive producer on, he's an executive producer on some other things. And then we did some, um, we did some, uh, we did a independent feature. We did an online uh uh, was short film that was Futurama live action that Dan and I that Dan and I put together and then um, <laughs> that was like by going out there you meet people and then you make the connections but to answer your question yes it was intended to be for Disney Plus Disney Plus was putting together a roster of shows that they wanted to introduce at launch and uh, uh, they've just slowly started releasing their programs one of the things that I liked about the episode now this is where it kind of gets a little different from a normal episode is that is that I normally have no clue about the, the thing that people bring in. But we were so struck by the emotion that some of these objects brought to people, including ourselves. Like we cried. Um, so like like I said, we watched the Mary Poppins episode and I and I and after that we're just like, oh, I have to talk to Cody, like I said before. But I mean when they were showing these props to some of the actors, like I'll just give a quick spoiler, like they show the little yellow coat. To little Jane Banks and the the actress, she 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 teared up. It was uh, it was and so did we. And like, was that kind of a natural thing that was happening? Like, w was that a normal thing throughout the whole show? Like, the, the people would have this big of an emotional reaction. Well, I would say that when we filmed these these uh, the 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 best way that we were kind of trying to describe ourselves when we started this thing was we're kind of like salt acid heat from Netflix, which is kind of a slow, breathy uh, telling of. Uh, of props like that's kind of we wanted to give factual information we wanted to recognize people that you may not have ever heard of and uh, it just happened to naturally come that way there were some moments that we uh, would produce but really when those moments are more of like here's the setting let's have a conversation right. nothing was really produced in the, along the lines of people answering questions everything was very natural very in between that now you're speaking of um, Mary Poppins, which has a very emotional, nostalgic connection to a lot of people, and most of the movies do that we that we highlighted, and we highlighted eight films. Mary Poppins is probably the most emotional episode of all eight, in my opinion. Uh, we did Tron, which I was kind of I was the lead on Tron. We did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. We did. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the original Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp, The Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, the Muppets movie, Chronicles of Narnia, and um, I am forgetting one. Uh, what is the one I'm forgetting? Because there's eight episodes. I don't remember off the top of my head. I always do this. Oh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, gosh, classic. Oh, yes. my gosh, I love Honey. So every every movie that you just named off, I I super enjoy or or have a, a strong reaction to. 
Um, uh, and so what we were planning on doing is is watching the movie, then watching the prop store, uh, the prop store episode that goes along with it. Mary Poppins one. I mean, the me and the girls and my wife, we've 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 watched Mary Poppins enough time. Like we love Mary Poppins. My uh, my mom used to sing to me, um, "Stay awake to go to sleep," for Mary Poppins. So, like that that movie itself is it's very near and dear to my heart. Like those are that was my go to sleep song when I was a kid. So oh, wow. like I almost tear up every time I hear "Stay awake." So like I was having a big emotional reaction to it. Tron was something that um, I always thought was just super duper cool. The whole idea behind it. So when you did, when you were doing Tron, um, like which is which is a less emotional movie, but it's still so fun because it was so groundbreaking uh, at at the time. Uh, but the other ones, what was a a, a prop that you uh, were just like? What was the one when you found it? What did it feel like the Holy Grail? Not that you did any Indiana Jones stuff because then you could actually find the Holy Grail. But um, what was like the Holy Grail that you found? The one thing that was kind of, that was a was a Holy Grail for. I mean, Holy Grail is it's tough to kind of put anything in that in that ballpark. And to no, be I honest, understand. like most of most props that are that are being traded and collected are kind of already out there in private hands. And when you come across something that nobody else knew about, it's always a big surprise. And one of the ones that we came across okay. was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Charlie Crowell, who is a he's a stuntman. And he did he did stuntman work for Michael J. Fox in all the Back to the Future films. And he also oh, was okay. the he was the stunt coordinator on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And so and when you get to that episode it's kind of a spoiler for those that are watching it. He he's a he's an incredible man this this Charlie Crowell. He's he's super sincere, super genuine, super sweet guy and he uh, he has had Benny the Cab in a trailer locked away for the last 30 plus years. And we just kind of stumbled because we were making random calls to loads of people that were involved right. in these projects and hoping somebody would respond. Uh, and then we'd have conversations and try and track down things. And he's like, yeah, I've got uh, Benny the Cab in, uh, out in the back of my trailer. And we're like, Jeez Louise. That's amazing. Yeah, because that's really cool. Because for most people, you see a cartoon character moving around. But the reality is, is there's a physical driving machine that they that they would drive in, and then they would, uh, back in the 80s, they'd have to draw over that with the animated Benny the Cab, and to see what it was, and that, you know, that's not as physical of a prop as, say, the baseball that hits the the, the, the shrinking ray in, in um, uh, what do you call it, in I Honey, Shrunk I Shrunk the Kids. the Kids, which, for me, like, when I uncovered that, it was very much a wow. Okay, so you have the the baseball. That's fantastic. You know, the, all of these things that you come across, it's all pretty neat uh, when it's the first time you kind of see these things and they've been locked away in somebody's own private stash and they didn't even realize kind of what they had. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty. It was pretty cool. But I thought Benny the Cab was one of the funnest segments we did. It was also one of the the funner like. Oh, look at this. Look what we came across. So, Oh, and like oh. Who Framed Roger Rabbit seemed to be kind of like the big one because when we ended up talking um, with Charlie and then we talked to Chris Lloyd and then, um, um, 
you know, you know, all of the people that were involved. It was it was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. It, is Christopher Lloyd as cool as I think he is? Even if he's not, please tell, just lie and just tell me yes. He's <laughs> he has he has such a background and such a history. He is he's 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 a true yeah. like thespian in the way he approaches things. And the man has been doing stuff for such a long time and he was a he was a super sweet guy. I um I you know, I think he's as cool as anybody would expect him to be. So yeah, I think he's pretty cool. I mean, of course we we were even talking off air about Back to the Future and uh, but we were watching <laughs> we were watching Star Trek 3: The Search for Spock. And I'm like, holy smokes, I forgot that Christopher Lloyd is the Klingon yeah. bad guy in this movie. He is. And, and my girls were watching it, and they're big, they're big Star Trek fans, too. And especially for Klingons. They love Klingons. And they're like, is that Doc Brown? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot he's in this movie. So that's <laughs> that's just great. He has been doing it for so long. He's done so much stuff, and you know, he's definitely a he's a recognizable face and he's played so many incredible characters from doc brown to to judge doom to um even even those minor characters that are in film like he was in an episode of west wing where he was like this really staunch like uh democratic lawyer and he was teaching this like yugoslavian country how to like build democracy and he talks about how messy it is and how dirty it is and it's and it's interesting because all of these characters he plays are all so very different from each other you just said the magic word too for elise because that's her favorite show of all time west wing and oh, really? <laughs> yeah he's the con he's a constitutional scholar that's such a great episode that's, even yeah. back to taxi you know, yeah. like when he was doing taxi is the he was in the, taxi can't or no he wasn't a mechanic he was yeah. a he was, was a driver was taxi he? Uh, I don't remember his character's name in Taxi, but I will say he was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and that kind of like kicked his career. Oh my! So, With Dane DeVito too. Dane DeVito's in that movie. Yeah. I'll we'll talk about a movie that makes me sob uncontrollably, uh, much like uh, Judge Doom did when I was a little kid, um, and he put the the shoe into the vat of dip that still haunts my nightmares to this day. So he is truly a frightening human being. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we were. I know kinda... I'm not the only one. We were we were chatting, I know, to kind of like diverge away from Chris Lloyd, but you know, you were talking about Tron, and Tron is right. such an incredible uh, is such an incredible story, and people don't really realize the weight that Tron has, like coming into the world as something that is. This movie was made by engineers, essentially. And you had a very creative director who, who, who really had an image and he had a connection to some computer work and, and he was really a young guy. And this whole Tron team was a really young group of guys that came in here. They were all 30 years older, younger. And it was, they, they were like, Jeez. they came onto the Disney lot and they were this young group of like filmmakers looking to do something Disney had never done. And one of the real interesting narratives that doesn't get thrown into the episode is that, you know, what they were doing was so different that everybody else in Hollywood thought that they were cheating and they weren't nominated. <laughs> they weren't nominated for visual effects that year. They were snubbed because the people at the visual effects society, the, 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 the Oscars said they, they were like, no, I mean, they, they would get up and present their case why they should be in in that group and nobody asked questions because everybody thought they were cheating because they all thought like computers was a one-click thing 
and the stuff they were doing was so complex, no. so complicated, and so yeah. like, and it was su- it was such on the verge. It was on the verge of really uh, changing the game, and it did. I mean, it was definitely one of the first movies that had uh, digital imaging or di- digital sequencing. And Jeff Bridges, man, just gotta love the guy. What a career he's had. I mean, from oh, being yeah. in Tron. Yeah. I, I, I don't want I know that it's a, there's a spoil I I'm spoiling this a little bit because I did do a little bit of just just different research before we even started watching the show but I know Rick Moranis comes out of basically he's came out of retirement to talk during um, the How Do You Shrunk the Kids episode Yeah Am I right that he yeah. he comes out He'll 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 pop his head periodically I love him I I think he's got to be he seemed always seems like he's got to be the nicest guy. And he just is a dad now, which is amazing. Hats off to him. And, um, but yeah, that's, how was that conversation about getting him um, to to come on the show? You know, getting anybody, here's the challenge with a show nobody's ever heard of. And that is gaining the, uh, gaining the, the ability to go in and say, hey, would you sit down for an interview with our show? And even even having kind of, you know, Disney behind us and things like that, it's still not necessarily easy. I would actually say one of the hardest parts of making the show is convincing people that, hey, we're actually trying to tell a positive spin on these things. And uh, we're just trying to tell the stories from the perspective of people that you may not have heard of or you may have heard of. And we're really trying to tell the story of these props, these things that made these characters so unique. And, uh, you know, I would say that I wasn't... I. There were some things I helped out on with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, like so, like tracking down certain props. But to be honest, I, I didn't have much of a hand in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But I can say that, you know, it's tough. That's so interesting. Even with the backing of Disney, which is arguably one of the largest and most well-known corporations in the world, that's so interesting that it's still tough to get people to trust you. And I understand that too. And that's mainly what we try and do on this show too, is just keep make sure it's like, no, I'm, 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 positively wanting to hear about your thing and it's one of the things i always tell people before we record but it is tough to get people to let their guard down a little bit and just geek out and say that's okay this is safe space (laughs) this is safe space to geek out uh and like really let yourself be vulnerable um uh, because like the world is not positive um and and sometimes things can get twisted and what you say and so yeah i i totally understand that but so you worked on so you worked on tron um and you worked on parts of the caribbean uh episodes right and then who framed roger rabbit those are the three that you really worked on those are the those are the three that i was i was principally over in regards to like shooting segments creating the segment right getting the interviews uh, arranging and scheduling things with people and then overseeing the shooting. Uh, and those were the ones I principally did. I did help out with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, I did help out. I didn't help out so much with uh, Mary Poppins. I did help out with, I did have some conversations with the Muppets, but interestingly enough, the Muppets and Narnia uh, they kind of came into us last because we were working to get approvals for certain movies. And so it kind of slowed us down in like getting the green light. So we didn't want to put too much time in 
uh, tracking or chasing movies that we know that we're not going to be able to highlight. Because like anything else, you need to get approvals. Oh. And you have to get approvals from people that made these things. So it's not as simple as like, oh, if Disney owns it, then I guess we can do it. You know, there's there's there are processes and 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 people you have to get approvals from, and again, that kind of leads it down to the idea that we're this unproven show. So some things we can't right. do at season one, we have to prove ourselves that we're capable of doing in 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 coming seasons. So uh, that's kind of how that all played out. Uh, so you kind of alluded to it. So there are there season two. Uh, is that is that Honestly, something you can talk about? I, like that, that I don't be- I don't know if there is a season two. It's very likely that I just so you know I I I probably I am actually going to be taking on another gig, so I won't be involved in a season two. Ooh. But um, that's just personal, like me just needing to make money essentially is what it really what it comes down to um (laughs) (laughs) i mean we all have to have some we all have to make money one way or another and with these shows producers kind of come and go depending on what gigs they're jumping into next um beside the point uh i i I have no idea if there's going to be a season two and uh i don't see I don't see why there wouldn't be if people love the show, but it really comes down to number of viewers, I imagine. I don't really know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so Dan, the host, uh, now I, I'm sure I'm going to get to know him a little better throughout the series. He comes off very genuine and that he loves these props and like has a deep love of movies and what movies can do for storytelling. Now, that's that comes off genuine. I assume that he's just like the best oh, guy, oh right? God. He just seems like the nicest guy. The guy's like Midwest America. He is, you know, uh, he's a positive, cool cat. And he is, I've known Dan for five, six years now. Uh, he was, you know, he oh, married okay. my wife and I. And he's, he is, he's, he's one of the best dudes ever. And uh, when it comes to movie props, like there's a reason he's the guy there because he's the prop guy. I, I, I don't know anybody that is more into the detail of things than Dan Lanigan. He is, he sees things that you don't pick up on. He understands the way movies are made. He understands the way props are made. And he is the he's the utmost professional in that and he treats people with respect and he truly loves he truly loves movie props he's been a collector for like 30 years he's just such a junkie for it <laughs> he's like the he's like indiana jones of props basically uh, yeah yeah he's 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 incredible he's an incredible man I love a good prop like one of the things that we were noticing is when they had the disney archives it, it, when they were going through it, it's like, why? And I know that, okay, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I know Disneyland has a ton of these props in different areas on display. Like I know from time to time, they've had the Star Wars uh, celebration, they've had the Marvel celebration, and then th- these props are out for display. But I, both me and Elise, we both said that why isn't aren't these Disney archives? Why is it not just a huge uh, museum that they could charge whatever they wanted? Because we would go to see these things. Uh, we really want a museum <laughs> from all these Disney sure. archives. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Oh man. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it would be really 
cool to see some kind of like Disney museum where they highlight a lot of the property they had. But one of the things that you come to realize, even with this show, is even in a time like Poppins, and I'm pretty sure they hit on it, they highlight it, is that these companies that made these movies in the 70s and 60s, even into the 80s, they didn't realize that there is actually retained value in keeping these pieces, not only as a means of like, they, they might have some monetary worth, but the reality is, is they are the treasures that are left over from these projects that you spent loads of money to create. And Disney has realized that now. Um, but you know, like Poppins, there's not really much that's left. And again, kind of back to that question when you were asking me, what movies did you not do or could you do? We also had to weigh that idea of like, well, what how many props are we even going to find and you can gauge that Gosh, by how right. much is in the private and how much is in the public sector and it's like we only have so much time to do this we could spend years trying to track down props especially for some of these other movies where it's like you don't there's not a lot left to these props they're really a lot of this stuff is destroyed or people throw it to the side and um you know, it's kind of it's kind of the way they 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 play a lot of this stuff out, and uh, that was one of the challenges that we had. Was like again, it's just balancing to make sure that we had enough props to even talk about these movies. When working with private collectors, was how were they with like basically like lending their stuff to the show? Were they were they? cool about it where was it was it a hard process i'm sure it, it varied from person to person um but like if i owned something and it was going to be on a show i, I would like absolutely like i'm proud of this thing that's how i would probably be uh, and and i would say for most people that own these props that they definitely feel that way and to be able to highlight their prop is good for them and it's good for their owning of the prop and you know we had a standard in the way that we would take care of these props and we and and much like Dan, you know, these props are treasures. So we have to treat them like delicate treasures. It's funny, you know, uh, there was there was the moment in Mary Poppins when I think it's Dee Dee Wood or I'm not sure who was it that was looking at the broom and then they grab it and they pull something out of it. Oh, like behind the scenes, <laughs> yeah, behind the scenes, Disney archives there with every prop that they own, and they're like, oh, they're like pulling their hair, and Dan has that moment where he's like, uh oh, oh, oh no, it is, it like yeah. these are treasures, <laughs> and we, you know, there's gonna be those moments where it's like, uh oh, we got to be careful the way we handle these, and we are very careful. A lot of the props that you even see in show, sometimes, and most of the time, they were put there by the archives or uh, the people that own the prop and it was like limited handling. Um, so, you know, right. that's kind of the way it goes. We like, they're all, for example, in the Tron episode, Steven Lisberger is kind of looking over and we, we presented the, the, the data disc there that's sitting on his like desk. And it's one of those moments where and that's the director. Yeah. And that's the director. And he's sitting there with the with the with the disc, and I mean that thing's foam and it's delicate, and they're not even handling it because it's just so you know it's so delicate. So they have to have somebody special right. to handle it, and that's 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 the way that we treated all the props because they're all you know they're all old, they're all very delicate. So you had to kind of take care of them. The in when you're talking about the 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 Mary Poppins episode, yeah, she was the the choreographer. Is, yes. is is who it was, right? Yeah. And she yeah. and they show him one of the brooms from the 
from the chimney, chimney sweep dance, and she yanks out one of the she yanks out one of the hairs, <laughs> and I do know what you're talking about. The look on Dan Lanigan's face was was terror. But like, what are you yeah. gonna do yeah. to yeah. this woman that was the stand-in for the penguins? Uh, anyway, oh man, I'm so glad to know because I that actually was gonna be a question. Was like, what happened during that scene? <laughs> Well, I mean, like anybody else, like Dee Dee Wood's like 90 years old, right? So, you know, it's Uh also like kind of leaving it up to the reality that, well, it's going to happen if we're in this scenario. And, you know, the archives doesn't want anything to happen to these these artifacts. And neither does Dan and neither do any of us. So uh, it's just handling with as much care (laughs) as we possibly can. But it was that moment where anytime anybody does anything, for example, the scene with Chris Lloyd, like... Christopher Lloyd walks up to Judge Doom's costume and he's staring at it. He's looking at it really close. And then all of a sudden he takes the hat off and he puts it on. And then before you know it, he's putting on the glasses. And all of us are just like, what is he doing? And it's just, but at the same time, it's like, (laughs) it's a great moment. You know, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. And people want to see it. Nobody wants to see that stuff on a mannequin. Yeah. They want to see it on Chris Lloyd's face. And and it and it really that that really added to that moment with Christopher Lloyd. That's amazing. I would love to I it was something that brought out in in the the the, the geek in me was I wanted to touch those things. Absolutely. Every time I saw somebody handling something, it's like yeah. I want to touch that thing. Like every every single time. And I know it's well, you know, well, look with your eyes, not with your hands, kind right. of thing. But oh, to be able to handle, like, if I could hold Indiana Jones's whip, like that would be that would be amazing for me, yeah. just to be able to just touch it. I don't even want to whip it. I don't want to whip it good. Yeah. I just want because I would get the scar above my, below my lip too. Um, but uh, oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, did um. Did you get to touch anything, or were you, or you kind of hands off? Was there something that you uh, got to handle uh, that was really cool, or, or beside handle that was really cool? You know, Jack Skellington. Um, I've handled Jack Skellington numerous times, uh, but you know, it, that's that was a cool piece. The the Tron costume is pretty cool. I thought the Tron costume was really neat. We, the, you know, because I work primarily on Flynn, we brought in uh, um, David Johnson, who does a lot of like, he does a lot of uh, neon work. He does beautiful neon artwork. And if anybody has an opportunity, you guys should go check out the neon, uh, neon museum in Glendale. It's really cool. And, you know, he was restoring the Tron sign for us. And, you know, that the Flynn sign was really, really neat. But, you know, it's all... I, I wish I could say I had one particular item that I was just really blown away by. But all of it was so... It was all kind of special and unique. And I grew up with these movies, so you're kind of nostalgic being around it. And I'm pretty used to to, to hanging out with stuff. You know, on a private side, my favorite prop that I've ever handled, ever, in my entire life, that has nothing to do with this show, I have handled... I'm so excited. Okay. I have handled... The uh, Egon's uh, proton pack from Ghostbusters. No way! That from the first Ghostbusters film, and that is hands down like my favorite thing I've ever handled. 
or even seen in real life is Egon's proton pack. Was it heavy? Oh my God, it was so heavy. It was so heavy. One of the things really? that's interesting with the proton packs, and you can look this stuff up online because they talk about it. There's like a, there's some guy that did like a, he did like a specific research on the proton packs, or maybe he made it. I don't recall, but I read some stuff on it. And he had, um, he had, uh, he had said that they, the, the, these guys, the actors would wear these and they're real weighted pieces of gear that they're wearing. They're 40 pounds. They are not light. They're like 30 to 40 pounds, especially the from the first film. And then the second movie, you know, they'd have them wear stunt ones where they're made out of foam or things like that. And they were little, they weren't as heavy. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a hearty, hearty film prop. 40 pounds is a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I, mean, this, I, I, I want to put the proton pack on now. Yeah. I'm so, now I'm super jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm such a Ghostbusters fan that it's like, anything Ghostbusters related I'm always kind of a stickler and a big fan of but I've been around a lot of these props for so many years just uh, you know working for and working with other people that collect and, and trade I don't myself I personally don't like stuff I don't like to own any of this stuff and the fact that it's all so delicate I'd just be I'd break it that's just the way it works for me you'd be so worried I got like meat hands so I'm like you know swinging my arm around what I, what I like about what you're saying is even with you being around it so much that you can still get star-eyed basically about some of these things is is really neat to me. That doesn't go away. Like even no matter how many times you've seen something cool, you're still happy to see the next cool thing. I really like that, man. That speaks a lot about you. Well, thanks, man. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's. I don't necessarily know if that's ingrained in me as much as and even for yourself or anybody that that liked these movies. Or like any movie, for that matter, and 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 I think it really speaks to what the show is, in that you actually get to see, you get to you may not get to touch it, but somebody's there for you touching it, and you 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 connect to something, some inanimate object or you know that that connects you to time or a moment or a, or a, or a, or, a, or a section in your life to where. It just floods memories, and it's kind of like the conversation you and I were having earlier when I looked on your uh, Instagram page, and you have these wildlife treasures that are connected to zoo books, these cards, <laughs> and it's that same idea where there's this physical thing that speaks to you at a particular moment in time. It's the same thing that music does to us when we hear a song, and we're shot back to that moment where we like, totally. man, I remember when she broke my heart, and I was listening to this song driving around. <laughs> you know, I, 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 oh, I remember when I got my first job, and then I remember this song. You know, it's those moments that really stick, and it's those things around you, and it's the same with film. You know, it's movies were such visual creatures, and 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 having those things to really speak to us helps so much i mean i could, literally could not agree with you more <laughs> like truer words have never been spoken i mean i absolutely uh but this episode sadly is coming to an end but the work is just beginning 
uh, Cody has told us basically like the full framework for, for prop culture and, and how to enjoy it and how he enjoyed it. So for this next week, Elise and I and the girls are all going to be watching um, the prop culture episodes. I know you probably all will too. If there's an episode that really spoke to you, um, please tell me. Uh, and you can uh, you can do that at uh, on Twitter or Instagram at like two like things. That's like the number two like things. Uh, but yeah, I will be enjoying this show very much, and we we will report back to you on the on the response uh, edition. You can also call the like line at six six one two seven nine zero one three zero, or you can email us at I like to like things podcast at gmail.com. And also, you can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things, where you can join people like Gerald, Galindo, Morgan, Dave, Jay, Paul, Paris, Zach, and Tony. Now, uh, Cody, where can people find you on social media? Uh, if you're looking for me on social media, uh, it's probably best you look for the podcast. You can find uh, Dan and I at uh, Dan Cody Podcast. That is not Dan Lanigan, but Dan Hill, my partner in crime, at Dan and Cody, Dan Cody Podcast. And that's across all platforms. Again, that's at Dan Cody Podcast. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want. Um, check, us, check us out there. And you guys come out every Wednesday, yeah, every, basically like clockwork. Yeah, well, every Wednesday, 6 a.m. If you're on the Pacific Standard Time, we got an episode for you. As a matter of fact, I am currently in process of editing tomorrow's episode. Check it out to give you a little hint of what we talk about. Of course, those terrible giant killer hornets that are up north. Can we not talk about those <laughs> stupid hornets? Please? Is there nothing else to talk okay. about? Anyway, that's us. Check us out. <laughs> oh, man. And, of course, uh, there is an episode that where you interview. I said it earlier, where you guys interview the host of Prop Culture, Dan Lanigan. Um, so that's, check that out, too, as another fuller further deep dive into prop culture but cody man thank you so much for taking time out of your day to record with me i enjoy your company immensely we'll have to do uh fantasy football again uh this one of these years together absolutely uh, we had a good time doing that yeah man but thanks man thank you so much i appreciate it thanks for having me on i appreciate your time and uh you guys go out and watch prop culture and uh you know say hi to dan lanigan via social media <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 